Coming up, I'll share with you how to live a life with zero regret. And then the work from home era is ending. I'm sorry, folks, but I'll break it down and I'm going to coach you up. Let's go. Helping you win at work so that you can win in life. You can't do one without the other. Just how it is. And I am a man of the people, the man of common sense. I'm going to help you figure it all out. And today we're going to take on a pretty big topic. Maybe touchy for some of you. But it's not too late. And I'll explain how. So how do you live a life with zero regret? Well, let's start with, first of all, most people, and I don't have a percentage for you because this is not a measurable piece of data, but let me just tell you this. Most people are living a reactive life instead of a proactive life. In other words, they let life dictate their terms instead of dictating their terms to life. So they don't lead a life. They're just kind of letting life lead them. And so here's the harsh reality if you're one of those people who you're letting life just kind of blow you along wherever it dictates. Now, this is sober, but I want to really hit you in the head with this. I wrote this down today. Living reactively leads to dying regretfully. If you react to life, you will regret your life. It's that simple. If you live reactively, you will die regretfully. And I have the data to back this up. If you don't take charge of your life, someone else will take charge of you. So stop looking at everybody else. Stop looking to everyone else. Stop looking at everybody else's life and the life they're living. Look inside, get introspective, say, what is the life that I want to live? What does my desired future look like? And then stop looking to everybody else to make it possible for you. Now, I want to be the first to say, and I've said this a million times, I didn't get here on my own. You know, the old metaphor, if you're walking along and you see a turtle on a fence post, you know one thing, he didn't get there by himself. And, And I agree. However, being proactive and relying on the connections and relationships and the favors of other people is one thing versus just sitting around and waiting for somebody to tap you on the shoulder and go, here's a great freaking life. And that sounds absurd when I say it that way, but yet that is essentially what millions and millions and millions of people do. I I, I am a person of faith, so I could pick on Christians, and, and, and I'm going to be really honest with you. We have churches that are full of people who say they believe in God and that they trust God, but they don't act like it. And they're essentially waiting on this benevolent God to reach down from the sky and tap them on the shoulder and say, here is an amazing life. Just go right over here, and I've got everything covered. Now, you may laugh at that, but I'm telling you, that's spot on. 
again, just the people of faith, and then I'll pull it back for everybody. But the people of faith, the Bible says in Hebrews, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so you're waiting on him to tap you on the shoulder and show you the yellow brick road, and he's waiting for you to step out so he could step in. All right, there's my message for today. We won't take an offering or do an altar call. Now, back for everybody. People will lead your life if you let them. Well-meaning parents, uh uh-oh. Your high school coach, your principal, the teacher, your friends, they will lead your life for you if you let them. But it's not their life. You are responsible for steering your own ship, period. Not Joe Biden, not Donald Trump. Not your senator, not your congressman, not your mayor, not your principal, not your coach, not your mom and dad, not your pastor, you. You. It's your life. So I did some research. Bronnie Ware spent eight years working in hospice care and released a book based on all of the conversations with people who were facing their final days on the planet. The book was called The Top Re- The Top 5 Regrets of Dying of the Dying. The Top 5 Regrets of the Dying. Here's number 1. And this is haunting. And just in case you thought, well, Ken Ken didn't get his cornflakes this morning. He's a little he's a little ornery. Number 1 regret she heard, I wish I'd had the courage to live of life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. I want to say this again. I want you to listen to this. And when I read this, I want you for a moment to suspend reality, and I want you to see yourself on your deathbed as an old person. I hope we all make it to that age. We don't have any guarantee of that. But I want you to imagine this is your thought. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself not the life others expected of me. Bronnie went on to say that most people had not honored even half of their dreams and had to die knowing it was due to the choices they had made. She said, in the book, life is a choice. Choose consciously, choose wisely, choose honestly. Imagine being on your deathbed. And thinking these thoughts and running through your head. All the things that you dreamed of doing that you didn't do. And dealing with that. I could have done more. I should have done more. But I didn't. Now let's just pull all that back. To whether you're a person of faith or you're an atheist, we all long to make our mark in this world. That's why we all ask the question, why am I here? What should I do with my life? This is not something that has to be taught. It is the spirit inside of us, the soul that longs to make a contribution. Now let's go back. Let me paint a different picture. What if we're on our deathbed, we're in our final days, and friends and family have gathered, and we've had time with them, and everybody leaves the room, and we've got a moment of quiet, facing eternity, 
what if we lie in that bed and we begin to reminisce and it's that rewind button. Let me rewind back to this year. Let me rewind back to another year. What if we lie there and we say, I went for it big here and good gracious did I fail. But man, it led to this and then to this. I want to live a life that I can reminisce on, not regret. What about you? You were created to fill a unique role. You are needed. You must do it. It starts with showing up and being uniquely you. And I'm here to help you figure out what that is and then do it. Of the people, by the people, for the people. I am a man of the people. I'm here to bring you some common sense and some hope that the dream is alive and well and that you can get there and you don't need the government or anybody else to help you. My goodness, you barely need me. All I'm going to do is stir you up. I get nice kind of emails and and, 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 and and phone calls and voicemails and social media messages. Ken, you changed my life. No, I didn't. I didn't do anything. You made the change. To that end, if you are enjoying this program, it's helping you out. Would you help me? If you're watching on YouTube, would you subscribe to the channel and then share a highlight, a short, or a full episode? And then if you're listening via podcast, would you follow me and then uh, give us a review, a five-star review? Uh, That helps us grow, and I would be grateful for that. Hey, folks, I'm coming out on the road solo, baby. Usually I'm out with Dave and the Davettes. I'm one of the Davettes, but now I'm coming out by myself. And and if you enjoy this show, you got somebody in your friend group or your family life that needs a breakthrough. They're just stuck. Because if you're stuck professionally, I got news for you, you're stuck financially. If you're stuck financially, you might be stuck professionally. And this event is called Breakthrough. I'm going to be speaking on the formula to get and keep courage. How many of you need some courage right now? I'm going to speak on the formula, and then I'm going to open it up to questions. Kind of a live show. Awesome theaters. Kansas City, Missouri is coming up quick, April 20th. Only about 200 to 250 seats in these theaters. I wanted an intimate environment, so you better move quickly. Kansas City, Missouri, April 20th. Chicago, Illinois. May 16th, Atlanta, Georgia, May 18th, Dallas, Texas, May 23rd. You can get your tickets at kencoleman.com slash events, kencoleman.com slash events. Let me tell you something. You think I got the juice on this show? Wait till I show up on a live event. Can't wait to see you there. Might be a great ticket, a great gift for a friend or family member who needs breakthrough. kencoleman.com slash events. All right. Uh... Got several things to cover here. Let me tease this. As I got some evidence, and then I'm going to pay this off. The work from home era, the boom, remote work, uh uh-oh, it's ending. Oh, Ken, you're so full of it. Why do you hate remote work so much? This is what people are saying to me on Instagram. Cracks me up. Now, folks, when somebody like me spits as much common sense as I do, it requires the courage to actually listen to what I say. 
course, I know we live in a day and age where we hear what we want to hear, we see what we want to see. So for those of you that are offended, I don't care. Now, I'm also going to tease this. I was wrong. I'll tell you where I was wrong and what that means going forward. But first, a couple of stories before we get into the actual data that says the work-from-home era is ending. First, Amazon workers. Bless their hearts. We've got some snowflakes, folks. A lot of snowflakes. 30,000 workers approximately signed a petition begging Amazon CEO Andy Jassy to cancel his directive that most employees would be working on site at least three days per week. At least three days per week. Okay, so that's a hybrid model. And uh, this is planned to take effect on May the 1st. Well, now they created a, a, a Slack channel. Slack channel. I don't do Slack. All right? Ain't nothing about me slacking. All right? I know that's not what it means, but I don't do Slack, but I get it. They got this little this little channel where they all get in there and they they share their frustrations. Because Andy Jassy wants him to come back to the office a minimum of three days a week. Uh, this is sad what I'm about to read. And I don't in any way make fun of this. But listen carefully. This is one of the comments on the Slack page. I'm collapsing here. I'm sorry. I feel like a total failure. Said one Amazon staffer. Listen to this. Come in and work. Do as you're told. I'm crying as my family prepares a meal. Now, I am not applying this broadly to everybody who works remote, but I want you to just hear this. Come in and work. Do as you're told. That's their words. Like when someone tells you to come into the office and do as you're told that it's somehow abuse what is going on here i'll tell you this person not all remote workers this person was failed by their parents this person did not learn how to do hard things that's on us parents i'm just gonna tell you if you got a kid who becomes an adult who says this kind of mealy mouth crap you have failed your kids we are not teaching our kids to do hard things. <laughs> By the way, parents, you all want great things for your kids. I want great things for me. You want great things for you. But do you know what is true? Warning for all of you who like bike helmets and elbow pads. You can't do great things until you learn how to do hard things. Let me say it again for everybody in the back. You can't, you won't do great things until you learn how to do hard things. Jassy has argued that working more days on site will help build effective collaboration and deliver for customers and business. He's right. Do you know why working together is better and don't translate what I said that remote work sucks. Don't hear me saying that you can't be successful working remotely. I did not, and I will never say that because that's garbage. 
What I'm saying is there is a clear benefit for people working together. You ready? I wrote this down this morning. Collaboration increases imagination. Imagination increases innovation. So don't poo-poo all these leaders going, it's better when we work together because they're right. All right. Next story, I'm going to spend one minute on this. Apple is saying they are going to spy on workers to enforce return-to-office mandate. In order to ensure that that Elon Musk directive is met, they are going to review badge records to track the attendance at its corporate offices. Now, I think this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. This is stupid. This creates just a breakdown in trust. Why does Elon Musk or any leader have to track someone's employee badge? How about if the leader's in the office, Elon, the leader notices when the people aren't in the office. I don't have to swipe Alex's badge records to see if he came in. If Alex isn't in, you know that I will notice. Why? Because he won't be in to meet with me and talk to me. Why do we need to scan badge records if the leader's in and the team is in? This makes no sense. This is like getting rid of the report card and focusing on standardized tests. What are we doing here? It's not making any sense, Elon. You're a smart guy. All right. Man, I got to fly. Work from home era ends. Wall Street Journal article in my hand. Real numbers. 72.5% of businesses said their employees teleworked rarely or not at all last year. That climbed from 60% in 2021. 76% said they had no employees working remotely before the COVID pandemic. So we're at 72.5% right now. It was 76% pre-COVID. So what does that say? Requirements to work in the office are almost back to pre-pandemic level. Now, not every industry. 67% of information, that's usually technology firms, technology type work, 67% of those companies said their staff worked remotely summer all the time. And then professional and business sector, that's your white collar work, um, their share was 49%. Those are the two biggies, professional services and technology, but everybody else is back in. So watch out. If you dig your heels in the sand, they may ship your job overseas. Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show, where I help you Discover and do what you were created to do. Well, that's fun, isn't it? I think it is. Edward is a little confused, I'm told. We're going to get him some clarity. He joins us in Stamford, Connecticut. Edward, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. Hey, Ken, how are you? I'm living the dream. What are you doing? I'm hoping to get on the same boat with you. Come on. <laughs> so I'm hoping to see if you can uh, help me uh, get some clarity or an extension of the clarity uh, assessment. Okay. Um, pretty much I got my results, but I'm not seeing like the industries that, that were on their results. Yeah. Well, um, it takes – kinda... hold on a second. Let me cut you off right there because we got a lot of people listening and watching. This assessment that you took, the Get Clear assessment, 
And no assessment on the planet can tell you your exact job. And so those professional possibilities that we give you, those are idea starters. And I and and I I gotta tell you, in in the next version, I'm pulling it. Because what we're doing is trying to help people think a little bit. And what happens is you go, I don't see my thing here. And you're supposed to pay attention to your purpose statement, which has your results in it. So the good news is you called me. You get me today to walk you through this. So forget about the professional possibilities. you got to go back to your purpose statement, and that's a job description, high level. So when you got your results, did it feel like it hit you right in the head? Um, definitely the accomplishment, I could definitely relate and obviously the performance, but, uh, my talents, I kind of need more clarity on All it. All right. Give me your top three uh, talents. Give me your top three. So my top three is logic, inspection, and justice. Logic, inspection, and justice. And, uh, I want to get all three while we're doing this because they're tied together. What were your top three passions? Work you love. My p- my passion is researching, making, and solving. Researching, making, and solving, and your missional, your top missional result, results that motivate you. What was it? It's definitely achievement. Achievement. Yes, sir. I'm talking to a fellow achievement hound. You like the scoreboard, baby. Show me the scoreboard. Yeah. I want to see my sure. results. I want to be measured. I want to compete, baby, right? That's what that's that's what definitely gets me going. All right, now, so you're having a hard time either understanding the words I chose is probably what's happening because when someone leads off with logic, that means you you analyze the stew out of stuff most of the time. Yes, and definitely that's that's right. uh, what I do, and it's, it's a part okay. of the role that I do as well. And, and you're good at it, so it's okay. So, are you having doubts about logic, inspection, and justice? What are you having doubts about? It's more on the inspection and justice. Obviously, logic, I know I have that, and I definitely, that's my day-to-day. That's part of my job currently. Okay, so Um, so I'm going to tie this in. All right, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get to the glossary. I've got uh, Dave Ramsey's right here, by the way. I always use this example. Dave took the assessment. It's fantastic. So let me get to the glossary, and let's get to the top talent of inspection which is so funny to me that you don't get that let me read it you're highly observant and you have an unusual ability to understand the world around you is that true or false that's true you're good at researching well i know that's true because you told me one of your top passions was researching you love doing it too true or false correct yes all right trying to understand how things work engaging in intellectual activity or discussions you view and study things closely, weighing all the perspectives and taking all the details into consideration. Is that still true? Yes. You're constantly gathering new information about events, systems, objects, people, and ideas. Is that true? That's 100%. So what are you confused about, my friend? <laughs> Just trying to find like a role. Oh, that. yeah, but see, that's, that's the problem. You're, you're thinking too hard. <laughs> So and that's that's one of my problems. So that is correct. I know. I, I'm talking to myself here. I can overanalyze with the best of them. Now, justice. This is a word that threw a lot of people. And again, when you try to create something, I wrote this, folks. So if anybody's wondering not if I created this tool that I bleed over, I bled over this for three years. Justice. The reason I chose that word is a talent, is because I believe it really is a talent. 
it's a sense. It's like a, a, a seventh sense for what is right, what could be, what should be, what must be. Does that sound like you? Yes. Oh, okay. By the way, a little commercial for the Get Clear assessment. The reason the results hit everybody right in the forehead is because they're based on your answers. <laughs> All right, now, here's what's going on. You're having a hard time coming up with a job, but if we treat the purpose statement as a high-level job description, the idea should flow. So I want you to stop thinking. I want you to start feeling. You ready? Here we go. You are supposed to use, Edward, your top talents of logic, inspection, and justice to do the work of researching, making, and solving for the outcome of achievement. So here's what that tells me. Let's go backwards. The reason I have a third element to this assessment mission is what motivates us. Psychology has taught us that there's two types of motivation. Everybody stay with me because I'm teaching Edward, but this is for you. There's extrinsic motivation and intrinsic motivation. Extrinsic motivation is what parents do. It's also called manipulation. (laughs) I'm a world-class manipulator because I tell my teenage boys, you're not going out this weekend until that pig pen you call a room is cleaned up and so they do it not because they want to they do it because they have to to be able to get reward that's extrinsic motivation intrinsic motivation is the purple person that gets up at 5 a.m and runs six miles every day nobody's telling them to do it they do it because they want to so the results that matter to you my friend are achievement so you need to understand you need to be in a role where you are measured very clearly and you are responsible for driving results. So you've got, it's all about, we got to put the numbers on the board and you're going to be measured. There's a competitive element to it, even if it's just competing with the you of yesterday. Make sense? Yes. So now do you see how the job, so you look at a job description and go through an interview process. You're looking to ask questions in the interview to go, how am I measured? What are my results? You understand what I'm saying? Yes. All right. That's definitely one of the one of the issues that I have in my current role that that's not clearly stated. See, that's what I'm battling with. So you don't. So you're not motivated. For sure. Listen, folks. Edward's leader should know this about Edward. Edward, you need to tell your leaders because a good leader is going to go. Oh. So Edward is motivated if I put him in a situation where he's got to deliver results and we're going to measure them, and everybody else is going to see him. Then Edward goes, "Give me the ball, baby." Right? See, Edward, whether or not you like sports or not, stay with me on this analogy. You want the ball when the clock is ticking down. Am I right? I'm definitely a closer. Come on, baby. My favorite movie of all time, the movie Hoosiers. Last scene of the movie. Coach calls all the guys around. They got a chance to beat the giant, David versus Goliath. And the coach calls a play for a bit player on the team. The team doesn't have any confidence. They're looking around each other in the huddle. They look at Jimmy Chitwood, the star. The coach realizes they don't have confidence. And he looks at Jimmy and he goes, what? And soft-spoken Jimmy goes, I'll make it. Whew, I got goosebumps right now. He's saying, coach, give me the ball. I'll make it. And see, Edward, you've got to be in an environment where you're feeling that. It's as cheesy as that may be for some, that's real. Now, let's look at the work you love. You've got to be spending Let's call it 75% of your day researching, making something. It doesn't have to always be with your hands, 
but creating, making a solution with all of that research that you've done so that you solve a problem. You research, I come up with something for the sole purpose of solving a problem. If I'm doing that 75% of the day and I'm Edward, my heart is on fire. Do you see that, Edward? Yes or no? Yes, definitely. So that's, then you need to be using your... Thing I, so, no, no, I, I got to wrap up. I'm running out of time. My point is... You use the talents of logic to do the researching. You use the talent of inspection to make and to solve. And for you, the justice thing is you want to solve problems that matter deeply to your heart. That's where that component comes in. So here's the deal. you got to stop looking at the professional possibilities. And you got to start looking at jobs out there that allow you to be researching, making, and solving. And it will present, them, it'll present itself. But this is your job description from 50,000 feet. Now go start looking. I gave you the cookie cutter. Go get you some cookie dough. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.